0: Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you, Ruth, for sharing the reading from God's Word today from the book of Judges, chapter 11. Gracias, Brandon, Ruth, por su lectura de la palabra. And I, again, just am so grateful for the body of Christ, for the people of Sunrise. And we want to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, encourage you. We want to stay in touch with one another. So, throughout this message series on the book of Judges, we've been talking every single week about something called the downward spin cycle that Israel falls into. Hemos estado hablando del ciclo descendente de Israel. And up to this point... Really what we've emphasized is the cycle part. We've emphasized the cyclical part of this thing. Uh, Hemos enfatizado la parte cíclica, uh, el ciclo. So we've talked how Israel has gone into sin, and then they fall into slavery to a foreign power, they cry out to God, they have God raise up a judge to deliver them, and then they have peace, and then they get complacent, and then they fall into sin again, and the cycle begins all over again. Israel cae en pecado, despues esclavitud claman al Señor, Dios levanta un juez para salvarles, tienen paz, complacencia, despues caen en lo mismo. It's the cycle. But Today, there's another part that we haven't been talking about that I would like to emphasize. Quiero enfatizar otra parte. And it's not just the cyclical part, it's the downward part. Es la parte descendente. Because what we see here in the book of Judges is that every time Israel goes through the cycle, they go downward. And they begin to hit new lows. Cada vez que pasen el ciclo, van más para abajo. For example, two, three weeks ago, we saw how... Barak trusted in Deborah more than in God. Now that's that's low. Eso es un poco bajo. But then last week in the cycle, we saw how Gideon defeated his enemies, but then afterwards he beat up and even killed some of his fellow Israelites. That's even lower. Well, today we're going to be going even lower as we look at the example of another judge by the name of Jephthah. vemos algo más bajo en Jefté. And we can track the progression of that cycle in Judges 10, verse 6. So I want us to go back a chapter. Vamos a ver el ciclo en Jueces 16. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says they served the Baals, and the Ashtoreths, and the gods of Aram, and the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines adoraron a los ídolos de Baal, las imágenes de Astate, los dioses de Aram, Sidon, Moab, y los de los Amonitas y Filisteos. So Israel goes down, and not only do they worship one or two gods, they're serving a whole range of gods. Están adorando a muchísimos dioses. God, understandably, is upset with that, Verse seven, he became very angry with them, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For eighteen years, they oppressed all the Israelites. Se enfureció el Señor contra ellos, los vendió a los filisteos amonitas, los cuales desde entonces durante y durante dieciocho años destrozaron y agobiaron a los israelitas. So God sells them into slavery. That's the next part. But again, they're going lower. I mean, it's not just one enemy. It's two enemies. Son dos enemigos. And they're just obliterating them. They're, they're running them over and dominating them. Los están atropellando y dominando. Predictably, what does Israel do? They cry out to the Lord. Verse 10. Claman al Señor, como siempre. But this time, this time in the cycle, God has a different response. Dios tiene otra respuesta. It's found in Judges 10, verse 13. God says, you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Ustedes me han abandonado y servido a otros dioses, por lo tanto, no los volveré a salvar. And he goes on to say, go and cry out to the gods you've chosen, let them save you and, when you're in trouble. Vayan y clamen a los dioses que han escogido que ellos los libren en el tiempo de angustia. So, this time God has a different response. Basically, God says, I'm tired of your lip service. Done with with just talking, okay? I mean, I'm just not going to come through this time. You got your gods, you got lots of them. Go after them. Let them take care of you. Que los otros dioses cuiden de ustedes. And this is a wake-up call for the Israelites. And they finally decide that maybe they need to do more than just talk the talk. They need to walk the walk. They see they see the Israel que tienen que actuar. And so In verse 15, it says, The Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think is best, but please rescue us. Now, hemos pecado. Haz con nosotros lo mejor que te parezca, pero te rogamos que nos salves en este día. And then it says, They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Entonces se deshicieron de los dioses extranjeros y sirvieron al Señor. And it's because of that it says, God could bear Israel's misery no longer. He finally acted. Dios no pudo soportar el sufrimiento de Israel más. So what do you see here? You see that the Israelites wake up and and instead of just uh, asking for relief, they engage in repentance. A true change of heart, a true change of direction and behavior. En vez de buscar alivio, muestran el arrepentimiento, un cambio de corazón. And then that's where we turn the page and in chapter 11, verse 29, we read, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, this new judge, and it says he advanced against the Ammonites to attack them. So here God's spirit comes upon this new judge, Jephthah. He gets an army together And he goes after the Ammonites to get them out of the land. So far, so good. This is is a good thing. Esto es bueno. But then, look at Judges 11, verse 30. Something happens. For some crazy reason, Jephthah just kind of goes rogue. Listen to what it says. It says, Then Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me, when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Jefté hizo un juramento solemne al Señor. Si verdaderamente entregas a los Ammonitas en mis manos, quien salga primero de la puerta de mi casa a recibirme, cuando yo vuelva de haber vencido a los Ammonitas, será del Señor y yo lo ofreceré en holocausto. What is up with this? I mean, here's Jephthah. He has everything he needs for success. He has the Spirit of the Lord. He has a great army together. He has God's presence. What more could he need? Well, evidently, he feels like he does need something more. Jephthah's is looking for more insurance, more assurance, more guarantees that God will come through for him. Él quiere más seguridad, más aseguranza de que Dios pueda tener la victoria. And so then he makes this crazy promise, this, this weird vow to kill the first thing that comes out of his house after victory. Hace este juramento de matar la primera cosa que salga de su casa. And in doing so, in making this promise, Jephthah falls into a trap. Él cae en una trampa. That's right, it's a trap. Es una trampa. If we look at Proverbs chapter 20, verses, uh, verse 25, we read about this. Proverbs 20, verse 25 says, It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. Trampa es consagrar algo sin pensarlo, y más tarde, reconsiderar lo prometido. Now, I think it's important right here that we establish something. We need to make something clear. Hay que aclarar algo. God asked Israel to get rid of their foreign gods. Dios le pidió a Israel deshacerse de los ídolos. And what did Israel do? They, they obeyed. They did that. Lo hicieron. That was good. That was a good thing. Eso es bueno. Uh, God asked Jephthah to get the army together and go after the Ammonites. Jephthah did that. That was a good thing. Jefte, Dios le pidió a Jefté atacar a los Ammonites y lo hizo. Eso fue bueno. But God did not ask Jephthah to make this crazy promise. No le pidió Dios esta promesa. He did not want him to do this at all. And that is not good. That's bad. This es was malo. How bad is it? ¿Qué tan malo es? Well, if we look at verse 32 of chapter 11, it says, here's how bad. Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. Jefté el río so, para luchar contra los el Señor entregó en sus manos. So far, so good. He goes and he has success, but... Then we come to Judges 11.34, Jueces 11.34, When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. Cuando Jefté volvió a su hogar en Mizpah, salió a recibirlo su hija uh, bailando al son de las panderetas. Ella era hija única. Pues Jefet, Jefet no tenía otros hijos. So Jephthah makes this crazy promise to God, a promise God didn't look for or ask for, and it ends up being a promise to kill his one and only child, his only daughter. Él hace una promesa que Dios nos pide, es una promesa de matar a su hija. And not only that, but when his daughter comes out to meet him, Jephthah blames her. Él echa la culpa a ella. Look at verse 35. He tears his clothes as a sign of grief, and he says, My daughter, you've made me miserable. Oh, yeah? You've made me miserable and wretched because I've made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. A hija mía me has destrozado por completo. Eres la causa de mi desgracia. Le juré algo al Señor y no puedo retractarme. And then the rest of the story tells how Jephthah's daughter, this is sad, and this is so touching, she asks him for a two-month stay of execution so that she can roam the hills with her friends and weep because she will never marry. Ella pide dos meses más bien de espera antes del holocausto. And then at the end of two months, it says Jephthah did it. He killed his daughter. Él mató a su hija, burned her alive, la quemó viva. And without a doubt, this is a new low in the book of Judges. This is very low. Es una parte muy baja en el libro de jueces. And the tragic thing is, God never asked for it. Dios nunca lo pidió. God never needed it. Dios no lo necesitaba. He didn't want it. He didn't require it. He wasn't looking for it. No lo requería. In fact, if Jephthah had broken this vow and had not sacrificed his daughter, God would have been happy with that. God wasn't asking him to follow through. Dios no le pidió que siguiera con su voto, con su su juramento. See, God is not a God who asks for the death of children. God does not ask for child sacrifice. Dios no pide el sacrificio de niños. There's only one time, only one time in the entire Old Testament where we find in the Bible that God asks someone to kill their child. Solo una vez Dios pide el sacrificio del niño. It's in Genesis chapter 22. It's a story that maybe you've heard. It's the story of Abraham. God calls Abraham and says, sacrifice your son Isaac. Kill your son Isaac. Uh, Dios le pide a Abraham sacrificar a su hijo Isaac. And if you read that story, you find that the reason God did it was not because he wanted Isaac to die, but he wanted to test Abraham's faith. Dios no quería que Isaac muriera, sino que quería probar la fe de Abraham. And so even at the very last second, when Abraham's willing to follow through and to plunge the knife into his son, God sends an angel to stop Abraham from doing that. Uh, un ángel de Dios detiene Abraham cuando está a punto de apuñalar a su hijo why because God's not a God who wants child sacrifice that's not what God asks for there's another place in scripture that shows the heart of God it's in Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 31, 7, 31. this is years later and the prophet Jeremiah records God's words. God is speaking of the terrible things the Israelites were doing years later. Años después. Yo hablé de las cosas terribles Israel. And this is what it says. It says they, the Israelites, have built high places. They've built altars in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind Dice que los israelitas construyeron un santuario pagano en el valle de Beninon para quemar a sus hijos y a sus hijas en el fuego, cosa que jamás ordené, dice el Señor, ni me pasó siquiera por la mente. You see, God does not ask for child sacrifice. God doesn't look for it. It doesn't even enter his heart or mind. Ni pasa por la mente de Dios pedir el sacrificio de un niño. So the question is, why did Jephthah do this? ¿Por qué lo hizo? And the answer seems to be this. That this is the kind of thing that all of the other gods do. All of the other gods ask for child sacrifice. And Jephthah thought he could do that with God, but he didn't know God. no conocía a Dios. <inaudible> Los otros dioses hacen esto. You want to have a victory in battle in those days? Well, then, you know, burn up your son to the god Molech. Maybe you'll get a victory. Si quieres victoria en la batalla, sacrifica tu hijo a Molech. Or do you want Shemosh, the Babylonian god, or the Moabite god, to help you in battle? Well, then, go ahead, kill your daughter. Si quieres la ayuda de Chemosh, pues mata tu hija. It's what the foreigners do. Jephthah was thinking like a pagan. He was not thinking like someone who knew God. Estaba pensando como pagano. In fact, what's even ironic is that his daughter's thinking in the same way. Hasta su hija piensa de la misma forma in Judges 11.36, after he tells her the news, she says, my father, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you promised now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies. Padre mío, dice la niña, le has dado tu palabra al Señor, has conmigo conforme a tu juramento, ya que el Señor te ha vengado de tus enemigos. See, they didn't know God. There is an important but hard lesson for us to take from this unfortunate story. Una moraleja muy importante aquí. And I think it's this, when we make a rash vow or when we offer a sacrifice to God that God does not ask for, what we're really doing is we're showing that we do not believe that God is enough. We show that we don't believe God is able to help us in the circumstances that we're facing. We need something more. Cuando hacemos ese sacrificio, ese juramento, mostramos que no queremos que Dios es suficiente en las circunstancias. Oh God, just get me through this and I'll cut all my hair off. Oh God, if you save me from this, I'll become a monk. I will never do anything bad again. I'll go to church every Sunday. Dios, si me ayudas, voy a cortar mi cabello o voy a hacerme monje. Have you ever made a promise like that? And then later you're like, oh boy, what did I just get myself into? See, that's the way Jephthah was thinking. He had God's spirit. He had God's presence. He had God's favor. And yet somehow that was not enough. He wanted more he wanted an edge, he, he wanted really to manipulate God, to, you know, to kind of twist God's arm, coerce God, control God into giving him the result he wanted. Quería manipular y controlar a Dios. But here's the thing about God that we need to understand. God cannot be manipulated. God cannot be controlled. God cannot be coerced. No puedes controlar ni manipular a Dios. There's, There's really only one thing you can do with God. And that's trust him. Believe in him. Solo hay que confiar en Dios. And and for whatever reason, Jephthah couldn't do that. In fact, after the death of his daughter, if you read on in the book of Judges, what you find is that Jephthah gets into this uh, fight with another tribe, the tribe of Ephraim, fellow Israelites, and they go to war. And as a result of that war, 42,000 Ephraimites die. In other words, Jephthah goes from bad to worse. Jephthah va de mal en peor. Después tiene una guerra con los Ephraimitas, otros israelitas, y mata a 42,000 de ellos. Think about it. The sacrifice of his daughter then leads to the sacrifice of 42,000 of his own people. sacrificio de su hija le lleva a sacrificar a 42,000. It's going downward. It's a new low. But we need to say, thank God. Thank God. He doesn't operate this way. Dios no es así. God is not like this. God does not ask of us the sacrifice of our sons or our daughters, or any other human being in order to to get what we need or to pay for our sins. Dios no pide el sacrificio de nuestros hijos o cualquier otro ser humano. And the reason is clear because God himself has made the sacrifice. God himself has stepped in and he's given up his only child, his only son, Jesus. Dios mismo ha hecho el sacrificio de su hijo Jesús. John 3:16 in the Bible gives us the plan God so loved the world that he gave he sacrificed his one and only son on the cross carrying the sins of the world carrying your sin carrying my sin our sin together Dios amó al mundo que su hijo unigénito lo sacrificó por nosotros so that whoever would believe in him trust in him would not perish but have everlasting life para que todo el, que en el crea, no se pierda, sino que tenga vida eterna. You see, God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, got together, and they made this crazy vow, this crazy promise to risk it for you and me. Dios, el Padre, y Hijo hicieron este juramento solemne. And Jesus was raised up to life to give us life, abundant life, eternal life, life that starts now, but it continues beyond this life, into the new heavens, into the new earth. We have been given this solemn promise by God. Tenemos la promesa de vida abundante por la resurrección de Jesús, vida ahora y para siempre. And not only that, we have a guarantee. We have a guarantee. The guarantee is the Holy Spirit. El Espíritu Santo es nuestra garantía. The Bible says that guarantees what's going to come. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of the promise that God the Father and Jesus the Son have made. Nos recuerda de la promesa. And the promise is this it is enough. The sacrifice of God's only Son is more than enough. El sacrificio del hijo de Dios es más que suficiente. So, what does this mean for you and me? today, que significa esto? Well, I, I think one thing is that we need to beware. We need to be careful. Tenemos que tener cuidado. We need to beware of the temptation to sacrifice our children on the altars of convenience or success. On the altar of working hard to get that mortgage paid on the altar of of our own activities. Tenemos que estar conscientes de la tentación de sacrificar a nuestros hijos en los altares de la conveniencia o el éxito. We're living in a time I think where there is a lot of child sacrifice going on. There's been a form of child sacrifice that has been practiced in this country and in other countries over the last almost 50 years. Hay una forma de Sacrificio de niños It's called abortion. It's el aborto. An abortion is something that breaks the heart of God. It's something he did not ask for. Dios no pidió esto. But here's the good news. If you've been involved in that, maybe you've had an abortion, maybe you've been involved in that decision, God's sacrifice is enough for you. For you to have forgiveness. For you to have healing of the hurt and the trauma of that. El sacrificio del Hijo de Dios es suficiente para cubrir y para perdonar a los que han estado involucrados con el aborto. We need to understand that there are many ways that we can sacrifice the next generation. And and frankly, to tell you the truth, over the last couple of years, there's been this growing Conviction in my heart as I watch what's going on in our world as I watch where the church is I've had this growing burden in my soul For the next generation of our children and youth And and my heart is for our children and youth To be able to grasp onto and own the message and the reality of Jesus Christ because this is what they need. It's what we need. I want our youth, our children, to, to be able to experience the, the greatness of Jesus, the beauty of who he is, the reality, the glorious goodness of Jesus, because there's so many other things that seem more real than he is, but he is the most real one. Quiero que los niños puedan experimentar la realidad y la belleza de quien es Jesús. We need to pray for that. Because again, it seems like our society keeps hitting new lows. Nuestra sociedad va para abajo. Our society is going down. We're seeing children sacrificed on the altars of pleasure and technology and materialism and drugs and sex and violence. There's been a lot of violence with innocent children as victims lately. Los niños han sido sacrificados sobre los altares del placer, el sexo, la violencia. And and as the church, I believe God would have us to stand in the gap as God's people and cry out to Him, to cry out to God and say, Lord, help us. Lord, save us. And that we ourselves would get rid of any idols that would stand in the way. Throw them in the trash, but don't throw our children away. Vamos a tirar los ídolos, pero no a nuestros hijos. So the lesson of Jephthah is clear. The lesson is don't give God what God doesn't ask for. No den a Dios lo que no pide. Because you see, God, has given us what we could never ask for. He's given us more than we could ever ask for. Dios nos ha dado más de lo que podríamos dar. So then, what does God ask for from us? What does he want from us? ¿Qué quiere Dios de nosotros? Well, we have a clue in Micah chapter 6, verse 7. I just want to read this. Micah 6-7. The prophet Micah says this, asks this question. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. Ofreceré a mi primogénito por mi delito, al fruto de mis entrañas por mi pecado? And the silent answer in here is, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Your child cannot pay for your sins. Tu hijo no puede pagar tus pecados. He has showed you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Ya se te ha dicho de que Look at the el Señor. What does the Lord require? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Practicar la justicia, amar la misericordia, y humillarte ante tu Dios. To act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. I can't do that perfectly, but that is what God asks for. So how do I begin? ¿Cómo esto? Well, I need to get connected to the one who does, Jesus. Jesus is the one who perfectly acts justly. He loves mercy, and he walks humbly with God. I need to trust in him and walk with him. Tengo que caminar con Jesús, quien practica la justicia, ama la misericordia y se humilla ante Dios. So, this morning if you're at your home and you have children with you, youth, maybe you don't. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to have a prayer time where we offer up our children to God. Vamos a orar para ofrecer a Señor a nuestros hijos. We're gonna offer our children up to God, not so that they will die, but so that they will live. No para que mueran, sino para que vivan. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you have your children at home, Come around them, put your hands on them, on the shoulder, or hug them, or whatever you want to do. Bring them close to you. Uh, uh, pues, a sus hijos o, o and we're going to pray. And Maybe your children aren't home. Maybe you have grown children. Grab a photo of your children. I'm sure you maybe have some around the house. Agarren una foto and hold that photo as we pray over our children and our grandchildren and the generations after. So would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Vamos a orar oh god we are so thankful that we have the knowledge of your word and your word tells us that we don't have to do what jephthah did instead lord we can offer up our children to you as living sacrifices and so we pray for them right now oramos por nuestros hijos oh dear jesus our children our grandchildren are facing challenges to their faith and challenges to their lives that many of us never had to face. They're growing up in a world that keeps getting more complex, a world that seems to be spinning downward, and we don't have the ability to protect them. No podemos proteger a nuestros hijos y nietos, Señor, en este mundo que va cada vez más para abajo, but you can. And so, Lord Jesus, we entrust them to you. We entrust them to you, Heavenly Father, because we know, you know the pain of giving up your only son for us. Has dado a tu hijo por nosotros, Señor. And so we give you our children, and it's because of what you've done through your son. We know you have a plan to prosper, to encourage, to bless. Lord, help the next generation to take the the mantle of the gospel, the the message of the Gospel of Jesus and run with it and share it with their children and their children and their children and their children until you return whenever that is. Lord, we thank you for our young people. We thank you for babies, from the ones that are in the womb to the ones that are among us. Uh, Lord, give us open hearts and bless the children. Bendice a los niños, oramos. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.